Hi, everyone. Oh, I feel so bad. I dropped my Bible. It's really fun to see your faces because I usually like to sit in the back, and so I only know you from the back of your head. <laughs> so it's good to see your faces. Um, let's just go right into it. If you guys will open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua 7. (laughs) Yeah, um, God's really been opening up the book of Joshua to me a lot in the last couple months. So I'm really excited to just share this story. I think God's just really been kind of burning it into my own heart as as I've been studying it. So, uh, yeah, let's go with it. Um, I'm going to just read, and if you guys will just follow along in your Bibles, but I'm going to read. For you, um, I'm going to start at verse four. So Joshua seven, verse four. Um, so about three thousand men went up from there, went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we, have, would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before the enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Amen. So that's our passage. (laughs) Um, There's three things that I... I'm sorry, four things that I see going on in this story. So I want to share with you guys three right away, and then I'm going to share one later. So... Uh, The first three things are, wait, are you guys ready with your notebooks? Thank you. I have some like super good um, sermon alliteration ready, so get ready for that. So number one, the first thing was there was a declaration. Number two, there was defeat. Number three, there was despair. So I want everyone to repeat after me, please. Declaration, defeat, despair. Thank you. Uh, So the first thing that we see, the declaration in the story, actually comes before we get to this part that uh, that we read. And it's very important to understand and remember this part of the story to understand the whole context of what we're reading here in Joshua. So if you know the Old Testament, you know that uh, many, many years before, God had declared a mighty promise to Israel that he was going to increase their people, that he was going to multiply them, and that he was going to give them a promised land. And um, after he delivered them from Egypt and continuously while they were in the desert waiting to go into the promised land, he continuously declared this promise over them. Um, So as, you know, he was speaking to Moses and then Moses released the word to the people, uh, it was like God would say something and then he would end it with, and I'm the Lord your God. And then he would say something and he would say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And he would say something, and he would say, I, the Lord, brought you out of Egypt. So he continuously was declaring this promise over them to remind them of what he had declared, or what he had promised for them in the beginning. Um, And it was uh, these declarations that Israel stood on in faith as they were going throughout the desert and as they were waiting to get into the promised land. And so that's um, where we lead up to right before the story. Then in Joshua 6, they go into um, the promised land, and then they have a mighty victory at Jericho. If you guys know the story, God called them to walk around the city of Jericho. It was a mighty fortified city with a huge wall. And they had to walk around the city uh, for seven days and seven times on the last day. And then as they shouted and as they blew their trumpets, then the wall fell down and then they were able to go in and have a major victory. And so that's where we get to our text, chapter 7, at the Battle of Ai. Uh, So as I was researching more about this battle, I'm reading in different commentaries, I read that this battle... This thing is like so low, really tall or something. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay, so as I was researching, it said that this battle at Ai was actually supposed to be far easier than their battle at Jericho. Because Jericho was this huge city, it was fortified, they had to break through the wall. And Ai was supposed to be a very easy battle. It was smaller, um, and they... um, And they were really excited. They had just won at Jericho. They were ready. They were excited. They were confident. And actually, it says that they decreased the size of their army because they thought that it wasn't really necessary that they brought that many people. So they decreased the size of their army, knowing that they're going to go in, have this easy victory, and they're going to move on. And another thing that's very important to know about Ai is that the place where it's located, uh, if they won this city, it's the... It's on the route that leads them directly into the center of the promised land. So without this, they can't go to the center. So it was really important. It was key that they won this battle at Ai, and they were ready for it. But they were defeated. So everyone, please say defeat. Defeat. We saw the first one. The first thing I said was the declaration. And then the second thing is the defeat. And they, they won at Jericho, and uh, then the Lord specifically commanded them, when you go into Jericho and when you win, do not take anything. Everything that, that is there is supposed to be given as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Don't take anything. But one man, Achan, um, he did. He took something, and the Lord um, put that sin on the whole people. And so he burned with anger, and then he removed his presence from them as they went into the battle of Ai. And as they went in, this supposedly easy battle, um, they lost, and 36 of their men died. And so what Achan did really was seemingly small and innocent. You know, I mean, really, he didn't really take that much. It wasn't that really big of a deal. It was just one guy kind of doing it behind the sidelines. But God commanded them not to. And, And so, therefore, because of that, they lost an easy battle, and it cost them the path into the promised land. And this is what the devil does to us. He deceives us into believing that we should have something that the Lord has forbidden, even if it's very small, so that we will lose the next battle that brings us into the center of our promise. 
He tries to take you out before you even get your inheritance. He tries to make you believe that the little things won't really affect the whole grand scheme. It's that one little thing that you really think won't affect anyone else, that it's just you, but that may very well be the thing that the devil is using to steal your promise from you. So when we look at this story, I mean, it's obvious for us to see that it was Achan's sin that caused them to lose the battle, and it was Achan's sin that caused the Lord's presence to be removed from them. But Joshua and the rest of Israel, they were so excited after this victory that they didn't really take the time to sit before the Lord and to examine what he was saying and to see what was happening. And so because of that, they were shocked by their loss. They had no idea. They weren't ready for it. And then after this defeat at Ai, we see Joshua's response before the Lord. And he cried out, and he was in utter despair. Despair. That was the third part. Um, The third point of the story is the despair. And we can see in verse 5 that it says that the people's hearts melted and became like water. You know, right after Jericho, they were so strengthened and they were so confident and they were ready. And then right after this battle, they were like water. They had no strength left. And Joshua literally fell on his face before the Lord and he pretty much gave up all hope. And in verse 7, it says that he questioned the Lord and he was saying, God, why did you bring us here to deliver us to be destroyed? If only we could have stayed on the other side of the promised land. And that's from the the NASB version. I like what it says better than the ESV. But it says, if only we could have stayed on the other side of the promised land. Doesn't make sense, right? I mean, Joshua, the guy who was sent as a spy into the land first, who had no fear, who had no doubt, who was ready to stand before the giants and defeat them, suddenly all of the promises that the Lord had been speaking to them, he just let it go because of this defeat. And um, he was, man, he was like in Death Valley. And uh, he... I think it's kind of, I mean, it's not funny, but I think it's funny. You know, when he says, uh, what verse is it? Verse 9. He says, the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And so the first time I read this, I was like, uh, seriously? <laughs> seriously, like 36 of your people died, and then you just, suddenly you're going to be cut off from the earth, right? I was like, what the heck? And then... It's like, this is exactly how melancholies think. I understand. I know. And I go straight into that death valley too. I get it. (laughs) She's like, I got a witness to the back. Yeah. It's like, we just go straight to the worst possible scenario, even though it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, literally the fact that 36 people would have died in this battle, it makes no sense that their name would have been cut off from the earth, but he was in such a place of despair that that's where he went. But... You know, it seems silly to us, but we can relate. You know, we know. And we know what it's like to feel that sorrow and that despair after something that defeats us. Right? You guys know? <laughs> and, and we know what it's like to sit there on the ground in your tears, questioning the Lord about everything that just happened. And we can hear every good promise from God. We can 
understand everything and have absolute confidence of what he has called us to do. And then suddenly something small happens, some little defeat, and then you're just out. And every promise, you just let it go, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like we say, you know, your friend asks you something and you're describing a situation where the Lord spoke to you and it's like, I know that I know that I know that this is God and he's called me to do this and he has told me to do this and I know and I'm ready and I'm ready to go fight those giants. And then something happens and you're like, uh, I don't think I hear God. I don't know what he's saying to me. I have no idea what this is. I'm questioning. I don't even know if I'm saved. I have no idea what's happening, right? And oh, I said it during the preaching class, but for me, I don't know why. But every time I go in this thing, I'm like, I don't know. I can't hear your voice. I don't know. I'm never going to get married. That's where I go every time. Every time. That's like the one promise I let go first. Like, oh, I'm never going to get married. Like, I don't know what school you're calling me to, God. I'm never going to get married. <laughs> Melancholy, this girl. <sighs> but um, <laughs> it's like we say, seriously, we say the most ridiculous stuff. But it's okay, right? Because it's our emotional response to a situation, and we're just processing, we're thinking out loud, right? (laughs) Wrong. Because when we do this, what we're actually doing is nullifying a promise of the Lord based on something we see in the natural. And we see a defeat in the physical, and then we immediately step back into the old dispensation. See, in the new dispensation, we don't see a defeat because we know that we cannot fail, that we lack nothing, and that we are mountaintop people, right? That we have the power and the genesis in our mouth to declare anything over a situation. But when we look at things in the natural and we see a defeat in the natural, We step back into the old dispensation like Joshua did. And then we let the outward circumstance determine how our emotions are. And we lose sight of the declarations that God has been speaking to us the entire time. And we let the natural things determine how we view the promises of God in our life. So I'm going to just get a bit real with you guys and just share with you a part of my testimony. Um... And how I had a similar experience here to Joshua. But I'm going to take a sip of water first. (laughs) There's like no good way to transition that. So I just have to say it. Um, As most of you probably know, I lead a ministry here that um, we intercede for the ending of the sex trade in Korea. And uh, we go on walks red light through the red light district we go on prayer walks we talk to multiple people who work in the sex industry um we do research and a whole bunch of other different things um and really it's it's like my passion it's the one thing that i love more than anything um other than jesus obviously but like i love it and it's actually something that the lord has spoken to me that is a part of my declaration that it's a part of my inheritance and and my promise And so most of you already know that, but what you don't know is that 
a long time ago that I used to um, have a very strong Jezebel spirit. That I was very controlling, manipulative, and I was plagued by lust. And it's something that I worked through and prayed through for a really long time. And I saw major victory in it. And, um, and I, yeah, it was like Jericho. I had my Jericho times of breaking those walls down. But even after I started with this ministry, something happened and I found myself defeated again. And I knew the promises of God that he had declared over my life for myself for the sex trade, for Korea. And I was fighting for them, and I was making great gains. And uh, I was seeing, you know, these awesome victories with the ministry and just seeing all these powerful things happen. And I don't think I even realized it, but I still had things in my midst that the Lord had forbidden. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I took care of the big stuff, right? I, I, I broke down the Jericho wall. But I still had these little things that I didn't really think mattered. I didn't really see it as a big deal, so I never dealt with it. Um, but then I was defeated. Even after seeing all these amazing things, I was defeated. And like Joshua, at, after the Battle of Ai, um, I mean, this was something that was so small. It was like the Battle of Eye. Like, I should have just busted through. I should have been easy. I could have, you know, let my guard down and easily broken through this battle because it was a smaller one. It wasn't as difficult. But, but I lost. And I was so broken. I was so broken. And, and I was ashamed. So ashamed. And, you know, it was like, how, how can I be fighting in the sex industry in Korea? Yet I still have this Jezebel spirit of lust that's able to defeat me at a small, a small little thing. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I was done. I was, like, so defeated. I was so, I disqualified myself. I questioned God in every way, just like Joshua did. Uh, you know, and I was really like, God, what are you doing why did you even, why would you even open my heart, open my mind to the sex industry in Korea? Why would you even stir this in me as a passion and speak it over me as a promise if you knew that I was just going to fail? Why would you do that? You know, just like Joshua was like, if only we could have stayed on the other side of the promised land. For me, it was like, why, why would you do that? And I was really upset. And I went straight to that worst place possible. And I was ready to quit, done. I mean, I'm thinking that quitting is my only option at this point. And I was ready, honestly, I was ready to leave Korea. (laughs) Yes, I was. But thankfully, that's not the end of my story. Everybody, turn to your neighbor and say, it ain't over yet. Awesome. Um, So the fourth point that I wanted to share with you in the story. After the declaration, after the defeat, after the despair, there is destruction. 
but it's not our destruction. It's the destruction of the thing that once took you out. It's the destruction of the place that once defeated you. So let's look back into the story of Joshua and starting at verse 10. Um, again, I like that NASB better, so I'm just going to read it from that. But at verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? And verse 12 says, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Rise up. And God, what he does is he commands the people to deal with the sin in their midst, to deal with Achan and his sin, and to go back to Ai and fight again. And he gives them a whole plan and he tells them exactly what to do, but he tells them they have to go back. They can't press forward until they go back to that place. So when I was reading this, I was, um, I was really curious about the word rise up that God says. Um, so I got out my Hebrew Bible and I was reading it. <laughs> Just kidding. Like one person laughed. <laughs> yeah, I think you all were like, wait, she knows Hebrew? <laughs> no, I don't. But I looked it up. And I, and I read it online, and it said um, that there's a couple different words in the Old Testament that are for rise up. And um, a lot of them, the definitions mean to literally get up, to awaken, to ascend, or to meet. But this one that God says to Joshua is different, and it's the Hebrew word kum. Everybody say kum. Mm. Um, and this word was used in a powerful way, almost hostile meaning to stand, endure, and persist. It was a word that was used to mean rise up in preparation for action. Uh, It meant to rise out of a state of inaction or failure. And it meant to rise to give deliverance and rise to give testimony. So you can see it's so much more then get up, right? So when God called Joshua to rise up, he wasn't saying, Joshua, it's dirty down there, get up, right? He wasn't saying, come up, come over to me, let's talk about this, there, there, Joshua, right? He was saying, Joshua, get up, stand up, fight, prepare yourself. It ain't over. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was like, it's loaded. I'm putting this in. Obviously, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but what I think God was saying was, Joshua, I didn't declare all of those promises over to you at that time for you to sit here on the ground and be crying about Israel being wiped off from the face of the earth. My promise is so much greater than that. Get up, Joshua. He's like, rise up, you know? And I can only imagine what Joshua (laughs) was thinking at that time. And hearing this, and he's on the ground, and he's weeping, and he's in despair, in like super despair. And he's like, God, we're going to die, and goodbye. And (laughs) And then God's like, Joshua, get up and prepare yourself. And, you know, 
I imagine that he was thinking that God was going to kind of comfort him. You know, he's the comforter. But, but when he said that, I, it was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> wait, that's not right. What? God, did you say rise up? Like, you know? And I imagine that he was like, no, I can't go back there. We just lost at that place. Why would you call us to go back there? That doesn't make any sense. Heck no, I'm not doing that. That's what I would have said. But, <laughs> but um, he trusts God, and he gets back up, and then... The Lord speaks to him again after he gets up, after he's ready to go. And the Lord says, Do not fear or be dismayed, but arise and go up to I. And I love this part because it's so significant, exactly the words that God speaks to Joshua, because he says, Do not fear or be dismayed. And what's happening when he says that is, he said that first to Joshua when he took over Moses' leadership. And when he was about to lead them across the Jordan. And so what he's doing is reminding them. He's reminding Joshua of the promises that he had declared over him before. Just by saying, do not fear or be dismayed. Joshua's head then remembered, oh yeah, all these promises, they're not done yet. The Lord is reminding me of these promises. And God was strengthening him through the declaration so that he would be able to Go in and have strength for the destruction. I love that part. And then if we skip forward to verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 28, it says that you know the, the people followed the orders of God, and they had complete victory in Ai. And it says that Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation until this day. He completely took out Ai. So the devil may deceive us into losing the next battle that brings us into the center of the promise. But God rises us up. He raises us up and he cooms us and he declares over us again the strength that we can destroy that. He doesn't just take us from a place of defeat to a place of victory. But he takes us from a place of defeat into defeating the thing that once defeated us. And he does it so that that former place no longer has any power over us. He completely, Joshua, they completely destroyed I. So no longer again in the future could they ever say that They would, you know, oh, it was standing in their way again. They would never have to deal with it again. They would never have to fight at that place again. And that's what God does. So for myself, when I was sitting in my despair, uh, I was questioning everything that the Lord had spoken to me. And basically, you know, I don't, I knew the story, obviously, but I don't think I really knew this, but God did the exact same thing for me. And I don't, I don't know how long Joshua was, you know, on the ground, but I was in my place of despair for at least probably three days or a week, and it was total misery. It was misery. I mean, to be in that place of not knowing anything and feeling completely defeated, completely taken out, and I was so stuck in the, in the old dispensation, the old way of thinking, and... 
God spoke to me exactly in a tone that would speak to me. And he was like, Cassandra, do you seriously think that that one little thing is all it's going to take to stop the promises that I have in your life? Is that what you think? Is that who you think I am? I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) But he was calling me to get back up and fight it. And he, he was telling me, I want you to stand up. I want you to fight this. But he didn't say, go get prayer from a leader. He didn't say to me, go do a healing and deliverance session. He didn't say to me, go contact Pastor Christian. He said, you have to fight that. I was so scared. And I was like, no, (laughs) I can't do that. But um, I just, I don't know, something, you know, when he cooms you, when he raises you up, he puts something in your spirit that allows you to do what you can't do on your own. And so when I was in my room and he's trying to raise me up and I was in there and I just had this hatred for what had happened and for this hatred for how the devil was trying to steal my promise from me. And I was in my room and I remember that day so clearly and I was like, you know, pacing and like casting and I was like decreeing, declaring all these things over myself. And I destroyed that thing. I destroyed it. And it's never touched me. I've never had to go back to that place. It has never been in my path again. Yeah, amen. (laughs) So let me tell you that after the defeat, it's not over. And it doesn't end with us being in despair. Because when God makes a declaration and when he makes a promise, he fulfills that promise. Always. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. Hebrews 6.18 says, It is impossible for God to lie. Numbers 23.19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is who our God is. This is who he is. And what he did for Joshua and what he did, it, it was a testimony of the power. And really, it was a testimony of Jesus. If Joshua... Joshua, there was a declaration, and there was a defeat, and then he destroyed I. But look at Jesus. The promise that he had over his life. The declaration that the Lord had spoken through him and through his birth. And then he was completely defeated. He was killed. He was defeated. He was dead. But God raised him up. (laughs) And then he destroyed death completely so that it would never touch us again. Right? So what I'm telling you guys today is not just what happened to Jesus. It's not just what happened to Joshua. It's not just what happened to me. But this is your testimony. 
This is your testimony too. And this is what the Lord is doing in your life. I want everybody, if you would just close your eyes with me for a minute. Just sit before the Lord. And I want you guys to remember. What is a declaration that the Lord has spoken over you? What is something that he has promised you? It's a promise that you were resting on, but maybe you've given up because of a defeat. Or it's a promise that you've been hoping for, but you've lost sight of because of despair, because you can't see it. What is that promise that God has spoken over you in the past? I want to tell you today that it's not the end of that promise. That no matter what has happened, that's not the end of the promise. And you are not called to stay on the ground wondering what happened and why it happened. You no longer have to sit in the despair and the brokenheartedness because you are not called to despair but you are called for destruction right now I just yeah he's reminding us of those declarations that he spoke to us in the past And he's strengthening us in the inner man. He's strengthening us and he's cooming us to do something that we can't do on our own. But he's calling you to get up and to prepare yourself to go back into that place and completely destroy it forever so that it never has to touch you again. Father, I just pray right now, God, for everyone in this room, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are calling them to rise up from a place of former defeat. I thank you, God, that you are calling them to rise up from being on the ground in despair. I thank you, God, that you are cooming us and you are putting a strength inside of our spirits, God. thank you father that you are not a god who lies and you do not forget the promises that you've spoken over us and that jesus you were once defeated and you were broken by death but you were raised up and by your blood and now we have the authority to fully destroy all of the things that have defeated us all of the things and all of the ways that satan tries to take us out before he brings us into our inheritance we now have the power to destroy that. We are called to destruction. 
You are called to destruction. So I thank you, Father, that you have raised us up from a place of defeat and despair. And that we now fully walk in victory. We fully walk in victory. You fully walk in victory. That the Lord is leading you into the center of your promise and you already walk in victory. Thank you, Father, for the way that you remind us, the way that you declare over us, and the way that you raise us up. Yeah, I just seal this all in Jesus' name.